wait, he wait, he wait. So that's a scrum for the All Blacks. The delay of game, essentially. Oh, that's just got him for delay of game of a restart. That's a ridiculous call. Crossfield Jordan away for Barrett Uh, we just fell short there, and that's probably the most gutting way to finish a game, in my opinion. 90 seconds left in the game, and he cracked under pressure. One of the biggest moments, one of the biggest games here in Australia. It was a disgraceful decision, and, and World Rugby need to look at it. This is a quality team going and searching a victory, but it's an opportunity they should never have gotten because the Wallabies were the better team, the Wallabies won the match with their rugby, and the referee took it away from them. They were quite conclusively wasting time, Australia, but you've never seen it go to that extreme. You usually just get a hurry up, maybe a warning. Oh my goodness, I, I, look, this, this test match had everything. This doesn't happen unless a conversation's been had with the referees about this, mm. about time wasting. You know, calls like this and, you know, his own teammates yeah, yeah. telling him to kick it. Yeah. You know, so, so if they're they, saying it right... They know that it's exactly. milking it. Yeah. Yeah. Just disappointing we couldn't, you know, put it to the corner and get a contest there, but, you know, the ref's got a job to do to, to you know, ref the way he sees it, and that's what he saw, and we weren't good enough to front up. But it's just disappointing. We're talking about a referee call um, after such a great game for 80 minutes. Found ourselves down 31-13, so to fight back and get ourselves in front uh, showed a lot of character and disappointing way to lose it. One of the worst things you've ever seen? Oh, I reserve comment on that, but um, yeah, I look, it's, it's a tough one to take. What a controversial decision to end a crazy midweek Bledisloe test match. Kia ora Etefano, hello and welcome. Kirsty away, having a long weekend in Melbourne. So I am joining you for today's breakdown and joining me, I'm very lucky to be alongside to John Kerwin, Mills Muliaina and Jeff Wilson who looks beautiful and blue today. He asked me if his eyes looked grey or blue in that shirt and I'd have to say blue, Jeff. You can come back anytime. Yeah, thank you very much. I, I know the way to your heart. There we go. So uh, we just looked at some of uh, the fallout from the the All Blacks 39-37 victory against the Wallabies, which saw them retain the Bledisloe Cup, but it very nearly wasn't. The ref copping most of the heat this week. A big decision to penalise the Wallabies for time-wasting. And they were warned. I have no problem with the penalty mills if the ref has consistently done that throughout the matchup. Uh, we've seen Nick White, we've seen new footage today of Nick White saying, mate, you have just cost us the rugby championship. How do you feel about it? Well, I think referees in general have consistently done that Anytime. I've never seen this before. And, and, and at the ground, when it sort of happened, I, you know, obviously they were delaying. That was always sort of part and parcel of what sort of happens when you're, when you're up. But um, it, was, it was really bizarre. I think looking at it now and having dissecting it, or dissected it, it look, probably looks a little, bit, a little bit more sort of obvious what, what the referee was, was saying. Um, but in the heat of the moment, Jeff, I mean, all guys, this is massive. <laughs> Jeff, I'm just wasting some time, sorry. Um, I will penalise you. Yeah. Don't think I won't, JK. I'll start off strong. It's actually not Foley's fault. It's not Turanath's fault, the referee. Everyone's time-wasting around the world at Test Match Rugby. Either props are going down or the game's being slowed up or, or you're encroaching at the line-out across. Um, I've just never seen it enforced before. So was the referee right? Yes. Was the decision wrong? If you're a New Zealander, no. If you're an Australian, yes. The trouble is, you, we, we can't leave stuff like time-wasting up to interpretation. So what's the law? Take the shot, take the kick. Well, take the penalty. Yeah. You, you have to take the penalty within a reasonable time. 
Okay, it's, so what's a reasonable time for you? A reasonable time for me is the fact that you're not standing around and waiting and watching when you've been given and directed to kick the ball. So why did he stop the clock? Because he felt as though it was taking too long. Exactly. So the ref was right, but unfortunately, no one's seen that rule for 150 million years. Yeah. I've seen it once in my career, and I'm really old, and it was for a shot at goal mills. So my problem is, was the ref right? Yes. Was it in the spirit of the game? Yes, because it's part of the rules. But we've got to start thinking about time wasting as a whole, and how do we change that? Look, I look at this from a perspective that, and I agree, he had every right to make the decision. I don't think in this case it was probably appropriate for it to be made then. It may have been the wrong time to make this call. But I think this is, a, this is in some ways the opportunity, and we haven't heard from World Rugby, surprise, surprise. Um, they look at what they want their game to be in 12 months' time at a Rugby World Cup. What is it they want rugby to become at the international level? The fact that manipulating the amount of time that the ball is in play based on what the score is, whether you're down to 14 men, whether you're weak in a particular area of the game, I'm a little bit fatigued, I'm going to sit a prop down so we don't restart the game. All areas that clearly frustrate fans and frustrate people who want to see the game being played. But that's up to World Rugby to decide the type of rugby they want international rugby to be going forward. And whether or not they want to change this, I don't know. The powers that be, Sir John Kerwin, Mills, Laura, that's the Northern Hemisphere, um, clearly have an influence on how the game is being played. Um, and international test rugby is for everyone. So what's in the best interest? Is this a case where how do we change the, the course of this game? Or is the international game just the international game and we live with it? Well, no one's going to turn up because everyone left the field the other night. 54,000 people walked out frustrated, um, upset and talking about the referee. Is that how we want international rugby? I reckon the solutions are way easier, Mills. So we're in an anaerobic game. So power game, we're not an aerobic game anymore. To take it into an aerobic game, we need to have time clock on the scrum. And it's like the NBA, take it out of the referee's decision. So, you know, ding, 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 that annoys you at NBA, right? Just play it. You have 30 seconds to set the scrum and play. You have 40 seconds for a line-out, any infringement, free kick. For a penalty, you've got 15 seconds to kick it out and let's speed our game up. Right? Because it's not Foley's fault and it's not the rest's fault. It's just that every time they go to a ruck, they can interpret 18... Why was it fragmented in the first half, Mills? Because there's 18 decisions to make and the referee was changing like, the rules around so the players couldn't get any rhythm. We've got to take control away from the players and the ref and just make it part of our game. Yeah, I get, I get that. I think, you know, there's certain aspects that need to be sped up and giving a time frame. I think the biggest one when they try to change is the guys at the front row going down or someone being injured. I mean, how do you put a time on that? Rolling and, subs. And, and the manip manipulation of, you know, teams to be able to, you know, implement that sort of stuff. So... It's probably a good time to come up with a discussion. Well, they, well, they need oh, to see what happens with that, though, Sir John Kerwin. Is Rolling subs, take, mate. On, Get the on, props if you, on. If you create well, you an go anaerobic, hold on. If you take, <laughs> uh, you turn this into an anaerobic game, uh, aerobic game. Sorry, from anaerobic. Who like does that we, take like, out of the game? All of a sudden, you've talked about NRL constantly about the size of the players has been reduced. Does that mean all of a sudden the role of our big props, yeah. our big men, becomes reduced Thanks. in the game? In the fact, no, they just run body the line out the mall, all of those physical aspects of the game, which rugby has becomes become so critical. If we have a look at the game in terms of time on the weekend, particularly the first half, 
you look at the stats on the first half, they're a damning indictment on the game. I mean, if you look at it, you can't... Everyone's talking what a great contest it was. The first half took 51 minutes, and there was a total of just over 12 minutes of actual rugby. That means that you've got time to go and get 47 pies and two pints. Because there's no rugby. That's 12 minutes of rugby. Like... That's, that's a concern. So when you I, see I, those numbers, right? I totally disagree with your theory that it take people out of the game. All that'll happen is that a prop that's 132 kilos will drop to 122 kilos, and so will his opposition. Not everyone can do that. Not everyone well, can I've do that. I've been struggling. So you're taking the game. Yeah, but I mean, you're taking, are that. you taking it away from just some run. of the players? It's just the way they train. It's, I reckon if you told... Is that international rugby? Well, it could be super rugby. rugby. It can be something else. I'm just, I'm just asking the question: What is international rugby? What contest has it become, Mills? Now, what has international rugby become? Well, no one knows, really. I mean, what are they trying to get out of it? I think what, what's becoming well, obvious is... Clearly it's is, not running. Well, well, yeah, it's not. And, and the fact that, you know, we're talking about decisions that are in the rule book that can be easily interpreted, you know, uh, different ways. I, I tend to agree with you a little bit, Goldie, in terms of, you know, the, I, I wouldn't like to have, you know, a, a, a front row that's, you know, 92 kgs or, a, or an 80, 82 kg sort of prop. I still would love the power game in there, and particularly the guys when you're thinking about, you know, the South Africans. Uh, the technicality that comes with that, the set piece moves that, that sort of the last thing we kind of want. Although we want to speed speed things up again, you know, we're a little bit confused. Although we want to speed things up, I wouldn't want to get to golden oldie rules that they're doing rugby league because that just takes a massive element that we've had traditionally over the, the last few what forever. Okay, so we're going to have rolling subs with our props, only our props. Can have six of them on the bench to go and win the light. But tired, mate. I'm off. Shh, gone. Shh. Still 138 kilos. Beautiful. Away you go. But we can't be playing 13 minutes of rugby at international level. What does it cost a ticket? How are we going to bring new people to the game? Like... So, in, in that case, then, JK, do you think the decision then that happened on the weekend, that last minute or 90 odd seconds, was, is absolutely right going forward? This is now what we need to, to start, sort of the way we need to play. No, no. There's a penalty and the, the shot clock starts, and we've decided that to take from the penalty to kick it out, you've got 15 seconds. Ding, 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 ding. And if you haven't kicked it out, turnover, penalty. See you later. Free kick. Bye. Kick it out. You've got 40 seconds to form the line out. And if you, if you like, last on Saturday, both teams, they go over the half line, like, stop, separate them again. So instead of a line out going there and throwing it in, we're going, you know, like, take it out of, because the players, like, if they collapse a scrum, there's... 16 guys on the ground. People say that's dangerous. But actually, if you reset a scrum, you're doubling the risk of neck injury, right? So if, the, if it collapses, right, and you're the defensive Lucy, you're not going to be able to get to your 10. So what are you going to tell your front row? Keep it up at all costs. So naturally, they'll get higher, right? I think if you let the rules, the players, and I'd do it myself. I'd waste as much time as I could in the last five minutes off on my head by three points. I'd be faking a hamstring because I'm a professional sportsman. That what's the win? But I shouldn't be making the decisions. And there's too many rules for the ref. So take it out of the situation. Well, the pressure this weekend, all of this pressure is now going to go onto Eden Park, right? And I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated to see how this game plays out, plays out and whether or not there has been a change, whether there's been an adjustment when the Wallabies take on the All Blacks at Eden Park. It'd be fascinating. 
So we are lucky enough tonight to have joining us the All Blacks head coach, Ian Foster. Fozzy, welcome. Thank you for your time tonight. Now, the fallout continues from those final moments of Thursday's uh, matchup. We're seeing new footage uh, every waking moment. So tell us, from your perspective, do you think that decision is going to have an impact on the game going forward? Well, I, well in some ways, I hope so. I mean, if it... Um if it puts pressure on the game to to, to eliminate time wasting, I think that's a positive. I, but I I think there's two separate issues here. Well, one's there seems to be a big debate about time wasting, and I think that's one issue. I think this is an issue where um, a referee gave very clear instructions time and time again, and they weren't followed. And, and ultimately, the ref is the ultimate arbitrator of the game. And and if players are letting to not listen, then I guess you 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 you, you play with danger in that. <laughs> Fozzie, it's been a really interesting championship so far for the inconsistency across the whole tournament from all the squads. But also during the game, we've noticed that the ebb and flow, the inconsistency is, is higher than normal. I mean, is that something that you're worried about or addressing or thought about? Yeah, look, it's um, when we study the game, you certainly look at the ebbs and flows of a game and it's... Um, you know, I don't think anyone has probably put a an 80-minute performance together that they would sit back and say, well, they've, they've nailed everything there. And even even our performance in Hamilton, I thought our third quarter was a little bit flat for about 15 minutes there. So, you know, we're certainly, you know, cognizant that we're, we're trying to grow our concentration and our, our game understanding for, for 80 minutes. We certainly had a flat patch and I guess between about the 57th minute and about the 70th minute where we... We really allowed, you know, areas that I th that I think we've been strong in with our defence. We 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 got quite sloppy there and, and let in three tries, and the Aussies were good enough to take that. So, you know, they're, they're a team that never stops. And if we and if we stop again on Saturday, then we we've seen what can happen. Fozzie, really keen to understand your selection this week. Who's available in particular? Ardi, whether he's whether he's back somewhat, obviously be forced because of injuries, but. Does it excite you that some of these guys are now going to possibly get an opportunity to get some test match footy that haven't seen some of that game time? Yeah, look, it's um, we've had a great run with injuries, haven't we? You know, like we've we've uh, you know I think we've got through most of this championship without having many. Um, suddenly, we sort of had two in the same position within about three minutes. You know, with Davy and and Quinn, and obviously with Sam's head knock. Um, Couple of other niggles have come from the game that we will have to assess, you know, tonight, tomorrow when we when we get all the medical reports. So, um, so yes, there will be some opportunity, but that, that, that's exciting, Mills. You know, we all know that it's you know we've got squads that have have trained their butts off really to to get the team ready, and and everyone's got to be ready to play. And and again, it's, you know, it's going to come down to a bit of a, a final, a bit of a decider, and, and someone's going to get get a chance to to run out there. So. That's what test matches are about, and we'll certainly be ready for that. Fozzie, the majority of your test matches this year have been decided in the last 20 minutes. Minutes. JK talked about these inconsistencies that teams are suffering from. Is it frustrating? How do you believe you can deal with that, the fact that that is when these test matches are going to be won? And how do you prepare numbers 16 to 23 for that responsibility? Yeah, well, I think when you look at the last part of the game, it's there's always two views on the last part of the game. It's like when you're playing in South Africa, the second test, you know, we were down with 15 minutes to go. And 
and you know South Africa took the lead. So I thought we showed great composure to come back. I thought um, in Argentina, you know, in Christchurch again we were up, and I felt quite comfortable. And then we 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 got a bit blinkered in that last quarter. So there's it depends whether you're up or down. And certainly in, in Marvel Stadium, up at 31-13, it reminded me of the first bled last year. I think we were up 33-8 with with 15 to go at, at Eden Park and. They scored three tries at the end and, and made the loss a little bit tighter. So, you know, it's it just proves you just got to play to the 80. And, you know, we're certainly we're going to work through that in the next 24 hours about what happened with us mentally in that particular spell. But, um, you know, the flip side of it, we did allow Aussie in, but we certainly had a last opportunity to win a game and we took that. And so there is some positives out of that. You know, a lot's been made of that refereeing decision, but... All he gave us was an opportunity to win the game, and we were probably good enough to do that. So in that aspect, I was really pleased the way we finished. Fozzie, what would you do to change the game around time wasting? If they said, right, Fozzie, you've got two things that you're allowed to do, because I reckon if you leave it up to the players, I don't blame the players, because I would have done exactly the same myself to slow the game down the last three minutes. What do we do to actually take the control off the ref and off the players to make our game a bit faster? Yeah, well, it's... I know you've probably got a list of about 10 things, JK, so so you've probably thought about that a bit more than me, but, you know, I think um, we've already trialled stuff in New Zealand last year at super level with the resets of scrums, um, speeding up that process, and that was very successful, and... It'd be great to see that flow through to the international game. I think um, huddles and taking your time when, to, to, when you go to lineouts is another one. Um, and then how we deal with with constant injuries, um, particularly to front rowers around lineout and scrum time. It's it's how we deal with that aspect, and it's balancing the the need to speed the game up versus the versus I guess the safety aspect, and that's that's the trouble that we have. But you know, last week's game, a great stadium, indoors, you know, ball and play was, I think, down about five minutes from our test before, down to 28 minutes. So it is something that we're really, we, we, we want to get the minutes high. We, we want to play and um, and we try to do everything we can to do that. Ian Foster, I want to thank you so much for your time tonight. All the very best for Eden Park. Looking forward to it. Thanks very much, Steve. Mills, what did you think of some of his suggestions there to help with the time wasting? <laughs> yeah, well, sort of dodged a few, but I, I think he's right. I think the, the stuff that we, you've spoken about, the lineouts and, and in particular, speeding that sort of side of it, um, obviously, you know, having that gap is, is still pretty crucial. But I think there's a, there's a, there's a balance. What, what, what I'm interested to see post this is, you know, what World Rugby say, because they always come hard after something sort of happened. They referee it and, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, three months later, it's gone. I think they'll be more concerned that it was 31 to 13 and we didn't put the game away. This wouldn't, should never have happened. I think they'll be more concerned about that because those are the things that the All Blacks can control. We should remember, JK Wright, this wasn't the All Blacks' fault. None of this would happen at the end of the game was their fault. They got presented with an opportunity and they went and did what they did to try and win the game. So, but they'll be looking at the fact that this should never have gotten the position. And I, I think they're more concerned about, OK, it'll be status quo, we're back to normal, it's another test match. They won't be thinking about time-wasting, they're thinking about being better. Not Foley's fault, not the rest's fault, not the rules' fault, the interpretation of it. That's as simple as that then, is it? There's enough said. <laughs> is that the closing, no, just closing the door on it's it? It's the interpretation oh. of 
the rules that changes every week because there's too much Hence, in the hands of interpretation. Hence, does it make you nervous for 12 months' time going to a Rugby World Cup? If there's so much interpretation out there, so many big games coming up, does it make you nervous? It makes me nervous because you've got Northern and Southern Hemisphere referees on different planets. The ability for World Rugby to anticipate and change the rules at any sort of speed worries me. We're going to need a longer show if we're going to go down this road, we, we, I think. Particularly with what we've got coming up now, right? Yeah, we, we have got a bit on, and, and, and he's been watching um, from Australia. Former All Black Andrew Mertens was reporting uh, for Stan Sport. He was on the ground at Marvel Stadium. Uh, Mertz, um, as you can see and hear, Jesus, a bit on. Um, have you been surprised by the reaction and the retaliation from Australian rugby off the back of Thursday night's match? Hi, Laura. Hi, team. Uh, no, not really, because they thought they were in with a chance to, to win the test. And so, you know, the, the Wallabies came back from um, a, a large deficit. They played really well to get back in the game. They seem to have done enough at the end to, uh, to, to have that win. And then, it, you know, from an Australian perspective, it got taken away from them by a refereeing decision. So, no, it probably doesn't surprise me. You're right, Jeff, with what's coming up. <laughs> you, you've got the wrong person on if you want to trim down the show and not talk much about refereeing. But, look, to be honest, and I'm not a massive fan of Mathieu Reynel at all at the best of times, but I don't think that decision was his worst of the night. Far from it. I thought it looked a little bit um, incongruous in the situation, you know, Australia had just earned a penalty um, and they, you know, were kicking for touch and stuff. So it did look a little unfair if you take a really objective standpoint. But like you guys said, the All Blacks, what are they going to do? They get given an opportunity, they scrummed, they did well to get over the line. Um, and, you know, you're going to. And, and so, you know, much as I like Bernard Foley as a bloke as well, he did um, bugger around a little bit, I think. And he was getting screamed at by not just the referee, but by his teammates as well. I have a little bit of... Um, sympathy as well, because I just wonder, you know, some of the language that Ranel was using, he's using French, he's saying, we play, you know, that's a which means we play, but the better translation is probably let's play or play, which is more of an instruction. If you're Bernard Foley and you hear, we play, we play, maybe he's not thinking that's an instruction to me as much and it didn't trigger him. So I've, I've got a little bit of sympathy there for him. So Goldie was saying before that as maybe international rugby, we just have to accept this. I totally disagree with them. I didn't say we had to accept it. So what would you do, mate, about those situations? It wasn't Foley's fault. It wasn't the rest's fault, right? So what do we do to take those decisions away? Well, I think you've seen other sports put in a basically a professional timekeeper or a you know a timekeeping mechanism. You look at tennis, and one of the one of the ways that players can slow tennis down obviously is in between points, uh, in particular you know with the serve. And so now they've got a they've got a countdown. I think they've got 30 seconds from the end of one point to actually get the serve hit at the next point. And so you know it's like you say it's taken out of the umpire's hands. There's just a, there's a clock, and you've got to work to it. So. You know, we can be, I think, as a sport, we can be a lot more professional and modern about it. Um, there's nothing saying that the halves always have to be 40 minutes because if you start stopping the clock here and there, the game is going to blow out into much longer spectacle than we've currently got. Okay, so make the, make the halves 30 minutes each and stop the clock every time there's a scrum set. The professional timekeeper restarts it when the ball is played at the back of the scrum. Uh, if, there's a, if there's a try, you stop the clock there. You don't restart it until the kickoff is taken. So there are ways you can do that and, and bring it down to 30 minutes a half, but you'll still get effectively the same amount of, of time for people at the stadium, and you'll get a much higher proportion of the ball in, in play.
Maris, I'm keen to move on about time. Um, so uh, let's talk about the Wallabies, mate. I mean, uh, <laughs> Valentini, uh, Liotta, Samu. Man, they were massive, you know, for, for the Wallabies in terms of getting them back in, into the game. Is that how the, uh, the Aussie media are seeing it too? Yeah, I think so. Um, absolutely. And particularly Pete Samu. To have the legs on him at the end of a game, which had been pretty torrid, uh, was quite astounding. Uh, I've got to say, I think the stop-start nature of it, when it, you know, when there are lots of stoppages, does play more into Wallabies' hands than, than to the All Blacks. So, you know, they, they did come home uh, pretty strongly. So they're, they're pretty proud of that, and rightly so. You know, down 31 to 13, um, you'd, you'd normally probably expect the All Blacks to close that out, especially when there are a couple of uh, players off the field for the Wallabies. So, yeah, they fought back into it, fought really well, kept firing shots, and those big boys in the back row, they were, they were absolutely the key. Mertz, what are you seeing from the All Blacks? When you think about their inconsistencies and their performances, where do you feel as though they need to get better in a hurry? Oh, yeah, I think it's just it's, it's inconsistent, isn't it? Um, you know, I think their skills this year probably haven't been at a consistently higher level that we've become used to with the All Blacks. Obviously, defences are getting more and more uh, fierce, ferocious, faster off the line, and that reduces your, your time. But, um, yeah, I, th I think the All Blacks haven't been quite as clinical as we have grown accustomed to in the last 12 or 15 years. You know, the, the pass from Ioane to Bowden Barrett, I can see what Rico Ioane was trying to do there. You know, he, he was suddenly got caught in between. Didn't pass the ball straight away. Didn't run it further himself. Got somewhere in between and it, and it broke down there. Um, the Hoskins Satutu little chip ahead. I don't think we'll see him make a, a poor decision like that again in his career. We haven't seen it up till now. So there were a couple of chances there that the All Blacks did have to score points. And we'd normally see them put those chances away pretty ruthlessly. And they haven't quite been doing that this year. A lot of former Wallabies have come out and said the Wallabies were the better team on the night. Do you agree? No. No, I thought the game was pretty even. Um, I think, uh, like I say, with the, the, the number of stoppages, and that's another... Uh, not time-wasting, but it's another issue we've got to address in, in rugby, the number of things you can get away with as a defensive team and earn a penalty where you probably don't really deserve it. You know, just sticking your hand on the on the ball when it's, you know, close to a tackled player on the ground without trying to steal it, that gets you a penalty. Limpeting and latching on to the tackle player on the ground, that can often get you a penalty as well. So we've got to clean that up and provide a bit more, um, I guess, favouritism for the, the team with the ball. But so, no, the, I mean, Australia, I think it was an even game. I think the All Blacks dominated and just didn't take their opportunities. The Australians took their opportunities more. But to say that they were the better team, I, I think that's stretching it a little bit from the Australians. But they did really, really well. And, in the you know, in the context of the number of injuries they've had this season and the, the, the depth that they're building in the squad, I think they're going, going along pretty nicely. Andrew Mertens, thank you so much for your time tonight and for sharing that beautiful view with us. It all looks, it looks lovely. Yeah, well, I, I, it's not my apartment. I had to come uh, come to Justin Harrison's because he now owes me dinner after that uh, after that loss. We had a bet on. He's had a shocker in the kitchen just before he uh, mistook his head for an enormous potato and tried to wrap it in tinfoil, <laughs> put it in the oven. So uh, anyway, that's not my view, but it's nice to come into you from Sydney, especially after a win. Well, that's a lot of information right there. Thank you, Andrew Mertens. Really appreciate your time. Right, we are going to take a short break. And when we come back, we discuss the Rugby Championship decider at a sold-out Eden Park. We'll see you soon.
rugby championship is alive and well. Could be anybody's game. Playing advantage, five white on the Lost legs. Lost it. Out wide again, and Moody, the goose step. Moody, he's the meter short. Hendrickson! The penalty try. Hendrickson. Malcolm Marks around the corner. Quick ball for the Springboks. Jaden Hendrickson sells the dummy. Marks in control. Looking good. Over. Into full trade options, both sides. Kriba, the inside ball was that forward on the attack. They're looking good. Maroni, nothing wrong with the grounding. Fast attack. Boston. Now the offside. Dialandi stays on his feet. Dialandi's over. Inside, Oxenshire soft hands, Mark's got a chance, my PP outside, on for the 22, Makazola, my PP, the pickup for Marks, Marko Marks in the corner. Springboks victorious by 36 points to 20. Plenty of talking points from that matchup as well. 36-20, South Africa took out that match. Welcome back to Breakdown. Rugby Championship is in its final round this weekend. South Africa are one win away, and the All Blacks most likely one win and a bonus point away from winning the title. Now, Nick White was not wrong, I think, if we take a look at the points table uh, when he said that the decision over uh, last week's game really cost Australia the championship. Is this the tightest rugby championship that you can remember, Mills? Absolutely. I think, um, I don't, I can't remember when it has been this sort of close, has it? It's been right down to the last last weekend and you could come down to points differential and, um, you know, I suppose that the difference after being um, with COVID and stuff like that is, is being able to travel once again and travel and have sort of games at, at home for the likes of, you know, Argentina and particularly South Africa too, Jeff. The Springboks scoring a try in the last minute of that game uh, this morning was critical. The fact that now they're equal with the All Blacks, uh, they don't necessarily need a bonus point, but they'll back themselves at home against the Pumas. But in saying that, the All Blacks are at Eden Park, and that's a big assist for them. But in terms of it being even, yeah, we, 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 did we expect this? No, the scores tells us it was even. can still win? Oh, absolutely. They've just got to win by bonus point and South Africa and... New Zealand need to lose. Yeah, I mean, it's, so it's still impossible. So plenty to play for. Mm. Yeah, so I mean, it's two been... years of tradition. Yeah, plenty for the Australian team to play for. Well, they'll be motivated, no, no doubt about it. I just think for the All Blacks, you know, they're going to have to make some change by the looks of things. Who do we That's play at 12? Yeah, well, there's a lot of those forced changes. <laughs> Who do we uh, play we at 12? Fozzie, who's keeping relatively tight-lipped, as you imagine he would. Mills, um, is there any changes that you would make that weren't forced? Uh, well, obviously, I think Roger needs to come in, right? Um, that would be the one that, that, that um, I think you need to give him a bit of, bit of game time. Adi Savia, um, he'd probably return as well. I like the way Hoskins went in the weekend. I think, um, you know, just a bit of more experience for him. Um, and obviously, um, you know, Dalton Papali, I think, you know, he probably needs a bit more game time. And that's probably forced with, um, you know, with the likes of how Sam Kane sort of pulls up. So who's, who's where? Um, in, in regards to the positions in the loose forwards, before we talk about Roger Tuivasa-Sheck, because JK's wanting to, yeah, I want to make him wait. He just has to wait a little bit longer. Uh, if Shannon Frizzell's um, available for selection, I pick him straight away. I put him back in, I move Scott Barrick in the minute row, and I bring Brody Retallick off the bench. You know, I think in terms of our last 20 minutes, we need as much experience, and whether or not it's Adi Savia coming off the bench if Dalton Papali'i starts. Yeah. And whether... He's Hoskins Institute who deserves another opportunity. What do we want to find out about these guys? I just think for me, um, you know, could Adi Savia play at seven at this test match? 
uh, you know, I think there's real valid conversations to have. But it comes and starts at blindside flanker. The whole conversation about our forward pack for me starts where Scott Barrett plays, because he has to play. And if Shannon Frizzell's fit and available, I'd like to see him back in there, because I think he's been a difference maker for us. JK? <laughs> Your reply. So, I don't think he will start Roger Tuivasa-Shek at 12, Mills. I would like to see that. Um, just throw him in the deep end, but we've got the cup in the cupboard now. Bledisloe Cup, we want to win the championship. But if you're thinking about World Cup, I'd like for, to see Roger Tuivasa-Shek start. But I think he'll play Geordie there, and I think he'll put Will um, at fullback because I think we're struggling out wide with our defensive pattern, especially our outside-in defence pattern. So, they want to see other guys there. Um, I think Frizzell will come straight back in. Would I give Hoskins another another crack? I personally would. I think he's going to be really, really good. I think he needs to go to the deep, dark place a little bit more in the last 20 minutes, and I think you can only learn that by playing. Um, so I think Sam Whitelock needs a rest, but maybe you go, we'll get him through the last one, and then he's got a bit of time off and they're going to Europe. But for me, I think the biggest decision is what you do with Geordie Ballot because then you change your whole back line. You know, will, will the fullback, who are you gonna, what are you going to do on the wing, who comes back in, Nuku might come back in. So, but I think there's a couple of structural things in defence that we need to look at as well. Our outside in defence has let us down and right across the championship. But we've got the cup, play Roger. I think that's, I think that's the key thing. I think it gives them the comfort now we've won the cup. And, and often people will say, well, don't mix things up, you know. I think we need to do that. I think he's been probably wanting to do that for a, a long time, get guys out on the field and get them to the experience they need in Test Match Footy. OK, I know there's history behind Eden Park and things like that, and there could be the, uh, the view that we might go there and, and lose it. I, I, I wouldn't be necessarily concerned if that sort of happened. I still think we've got the players to be able to go out there and, and win and win well. I think it's a chance now for Ian Foster to really try and grow more of that depth and have guys like Hoskins, you know, back up once again. You know, get maybe, you know, if, if guys need a rest, put them on the bench, right? But add a guy like Tupovaya out there. You know, he was outstanding during, you know, um, you know, Super Rugby. So I think growing more depth for the bigger picture would be my, my view of this. JK's pointing his pen. Uh, I've got a question. <laughs> he's pointing his pen <laughs> okay, at me I'm all of a sudden. No, no, but no, no, so you got to have a, a talking pen. I have a question for you because if we do that, if we play Roger at 12, we only make one change. If you put Geordie, you have to make three changes. What would you do if you're a little bit worried about... What am I worried about? Defence patterns. So the defence patterns? Look, I, I think Roger Tuovasashek needs to play this test match. And it's more likely he's going to come off the bench. Uh, but in saying that, I think Geordie's still been really good at fullback. He's played some really good rugby and they've varied how they've used him. And it's about looking at our defensive systems. I've got concerns. I mean, we're getting found out in, in regards to what's happening on the outside. Um, leaks between our midfield and our outsides when we're pushing, when we're turning in. There's not enough work together to get to the outside. Some of Rico Ioani's work is remarkable using his speed. But I think at times we end up quite often with two players defending one guy. And it's, there's not enough talk for me that's enabling guys to shift. And guys are getting on really bad angles. Will Jordan got found out, Caleb Clark, bad angles because I don't think there was enough communication telling them where they needed to go. They were gambling. We can't afford to do that when they're the All Blacks against a good team who could shift the ball and the Wallabies could shift this against us. So if I'm talking about those changes you're, you're looking at. Um, 
I don't actually have a problem. The more I've thought about it, about him starting at 12 in this test match, because then we haven't made any other changes. Just the one. The only thing is you've got to find some more distribution, yeah. you know, because that's what, and, and a kicking game which David Harvey was adding. I just want to go back to your point, JK, and, and, and yours as well, thinking bigger picture, and you know, you've got a World Cup 12 months away. But this is an All Blacks team that's been under pressure that, like I've never seen as an All Blacks fan. So can you really afford to be thinking so far long term when right now it doesn't seem to be the f perfect finished product as is? Can no, you no I, I think it's a great question. No, you can't. That's why I would play Roger, just because it's one change. We've got some problems with our structures, and I'm sure they'll get better. I'm not worried about it. We've got new defence systems, I get that, but if you play Roger, you find out about him and you only make one change, Mills. And you know what it's like when you're talking about combinations, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and all it, all it becomes is one person moving in into that role. The downside of that is what was just starting to blossom is that sort of combination of, you know, Harvey, we bring something different. The, the kicks, you know, the cross kicks from him from the second phase out, Roger doesn't bring that, you know. So what are you trying to, what are you trying to bring in terms of whether he goes out there? I think he needs experience, he needs to get out there, but otherwise why pick him in the first place? But let him grow in, into that, get his footwork going and, and sort of, um, you know, work him into the game. So it's a different style, but then, on the, on the back of that, you know, who are you going to play out, out a bit wider? You know, what, what sort of their roles changed as well? I mean, you talk defence, you know, when they're trying to fix defensive stuff, it's to bring someone in there under the pump where he's, you know, he's only first year of rugby. We, we probably won't see consistency that, we've, that we're sort of asking for because of that sort of reason. But this is a great time now for, for Ian Foster to be, able to, to be able to do that, I think, because we've kept the blizz load. You know, he's, he's kept his job. We know where, he's, where, where we go in terms of the Rugby World Cup, but also gets... Roger, some experience, some key experience in a big, big match, um, you know, going forward for the, you know, um, you know, for the bigger picture. It's a precarious time for the All Blacks, there's no doubt about it. Now, life after rugby can be scary for a lot of players. James Marshall is taking the ball by the horns and making it happen with What A Lad podcast and not one but two big coaching gigs. We caught up with him to find out how he's juggling it all. Today we have one of the more popular guests to have come on What A Lad already, where he told his incredible story where he went from picking a... Always thought the idea of a podcast would be pretty cool. This is the most excited I've been to have a guest on today. He is an incredible player and somehow even a better lad. It is the great Conrad Smith. Kendrick Coxedge, welcome. Richie Moanga, welcome brother. What an intro. Holy... Seven episodes was the goal, and I think I'm up to now about 160 or something, and just just loving it. I was thinking maybe a comeback was coming. <laughs> the success has sort of surprised me a little bit, and it's just been awesome to, I guess, get messages from people after episodes and saying how much they've taken out of that, or how awesome it was to hear what that guy was really like. So the boots are all hung up now. Are you, are you getting itchy feet? The season started. Absolutely not, mate. Um... <laughs> the necky could probably do with it. Um... <laughs> the team naming came, I was like, oh, I'm not going to be named. And then when it finally did, holy. My rugby career, I think it was 12 years in the end, starting here in Tasman. There was moves every sort of six months. Started off with Italy, then up to Taranaki and the Hurricanes. Headed over to London Irish, Red Sparks in Japan, and then Hurricanes to finish. In the back end of my career, once I hit sort of 28, 29, I was really struggling 
on my left hip in particular. Struggled to put my left sock on and left boot on before a game. It became a real mental battle for me to prepare myself for trainings and get through the week. And COVID actually hit and I wasn't really playing for the Canes at the time and I went up to the coach's room and said, how about this is a good opportunity to get my hip surgery and in the back of my mind I knew that I was unlikely to return to the game. The coaching transition happened really quickly. I just had my hip surgery, I think I was still on crutches. I heard the news that Carlos had left from the Hurricanes, so I had a call from Jason Holland asking if I would fill his role uh, for the remainder of the season. I was literally one day down in the players' locker to the following day up into the coach's box. Oh, what a lad. Swap sides. One of the great coaches around. What a lad. I asked Tasman if I could sign with Tasman as a player. I signed with them for $1, and that was just um, purely to learn as much as I could as a coach. I was purely there pretty much to learn off the likes of Andrew Goodman, Clark Dermody, Shane Christie. It's great news, team. Great news. One of the media fraternity is now going coaching with the Crusaders. James Marshall, welcome to Super Rugby, mate. Yeah, the Crusaders opportunity came out of nowhere. Like, I was preparing for this Tasman season. I did promise my wife that I wasn't going to chase the coaching dream because we'd moved the family so much. But when you get that phone call from Razor, you know, the most successful team in Super Rugby history, pretty hard offer to turn down. Oh, thanks again for coming on the Waterlad podcast, mate. Always. Yeah, I don't know the full plan of what's next for Waterlad because obviously the Crusaders job's going to be um, pretty intense. It's something that I really want to keep doing. Potentially in the off-season might be a good chance for me to um, keep it going and making sure I can give players a platform to share their stories or share what they want. Absolute honour having legends like you on the podcast, so I really appreciate you giving up your time. You're a lad.
to hear the Tadeo and fantastic to see the passion there. Welcome back to Breakdown. The Ramfilly Shield we've just seen there. Changed hands. The log of wood now belongs to Wellington for the first time in 14 years. Uh, but we are moving to the business end of the NPC and it is time for our panel to pick their winner. Now, Jeff, fresh off Bay of Plenty's big win. Who? Who? Is your winner? Who's my winner? I tell you what, I commentated the Waikato team during the week, and I tell you what, they look really, really good, really balanced, really deep. They've had some guys on the bench that have made an impact for them. I really like the way that they're playing this year. It's nice to have someone like Daniel McKenzie yeah. on your roster. They brought him off the bench on Wednesday night against Southland. You know, I, I, I really, really look at their squad and, and uh, I'm impressed with what they're doing. Um, I had Hawks, funnily enough, seven days ago, I actually had Hawks Bay was the team. We ran out of time on the show. But for Hawks Bay now, not having the Ramfilly Shield, I think there's a real come down from that. You can build on that, and, and, and I think they'll find it really tough to get themselves back up. I'm, I'm picking Waikato. Mills? Well, it's hard to go past Canterbury as well. Waikato do look very, very good. Um, you know, but the other teams, particularly Tasman, I've, I've found that they haven't found consistency. You know, they had a few All Blacks come back you know, um, a few weeks ago, but they're really struggling with their game. So in terms of that sort of um, the odds, um, Paul, um, you know, Auckland as well, they're struggling with a bit of... But so I think I think you might be right. Waikato could be the team, but, you know, Canterbury, there's some, there's some fire there too. Well, my heart always picks Auckland. Yeah, so I could have said it. My emotional um, side says Auckland. I think that... Do we have a shield... Challenge the next week, just a question, because that's what normally the hardest game to win. I think Hawks Bay will bounce back because when you lose something like that, you need to grab hold of something. But I think the most complete side at the moment is Waikato, and we've got the best ever bench impact, amazing player that we're missing in the All Blacks that can turn a game on its head. In McKenzie, I can't wait to see him back in the All Blacks because if you think about this week and you think about Roger Tuivasa-Sheck, who do you put on the bench? Actually, you put Damien McKenzie on the bench because he can cover 10 on the wing at, at a pinch and fullback. So, so, so the what answer was... Bowden Barrett? Eh? What are you doing with Bowden Barrett if you did Well, that's that? right. You just put them both out there. And good luck and, and let teams chase us. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 mean, I look at the results on the weekend. North Harbour just had a really good win against Northland. And a lot of these teams are getting momentum. Look, I, I'm taking a stab of it. I, we talked about the rugby championship, Laura, being... Close. I think this NPC, when it gets to knockout time, any one of the eight teams that make it could win. Let's have a look at the standings right now. Let's see where it all sits. Um, so, JK, um, talk us through what <laughs> what you see here. What is this telling you? That I picked Waikato and I was right. <laughs> oh, no, it's, it's not... Perfect. Well, that'll do. No, that's fine. <laughs> we'll wrap it up there. Well, I, mean, I think for Wellington, uh, Wellington have got a shield challenge, I think, this week, and it's Waikato going down to take them on and playing on. So if you if you think about the teams that have had momentum, but you look about the way things have played out and the wins and losses, I mean, reality is there's a lot, a lot for these teams to play for. And Tasman were a team who are defending champions who haven't managed to find their feet this year. I just, you know, I think across the board, um, and it's going to be important home field advantage will, yep. will take its toll and then all of a sudden the other thing is what happens close to the end of year tour what happens then with some of those players if they get selected do they come out of the MPC for an example doesn't Damien McKenzie is he there for the final match if he's in there so all of a sudden there's there's some things that will still play out but if you look at what I have noticed is I've had some seriously high scoring games this year 
you know, you know been massive, massive scores. Is that what we expect when we get finals time? I'm not so sure. What do you think of the new format, Mills? Yeah, I was just going to say that it's probably justified why they've, they've gone to that new format because anyone can beat anyone on the on the day. You know, they didn't have enough time to that everyone played everyone, but I think that eight. And home home um, home advantage is going to be really key. So you know the, the mixing of that um, in, in the final you know few weeks before that sort of happens is key. So love it. This is exactly what we sort of were after. You know that sort of that closeness. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Now we've had a lot of rugby legends on the show over the years. I'm sitting next to three of them. One very special servant of the game is being celebrated on October 6th. Of course, I'm talking about Buck Shelford, and you can join him to celebrate him and his career. Tickets and tables are available at the website that you will see pop up very shortly. Now, JK, you had a tribute dinner. What was it like? Is it a bit weird? Yeah, no, it's very weird. Because you're still alive. Um, yeah, you know what exactly. I mean? So you're just In hearing fact, everyone talk about you. I toured, I toured Australia once with this old Italian guy who was my manager, and he saw all these statues of, like, Laurie Daly and stuff, and he says, mate, like, our statues are for people that lived a 1,000 years ago. You guys are still alive. But um, I think it's a, it, it'll, Buck will love it. I was embarrassed and, and didn't really want to do it, but when you're there with your mates and... And they're talking about rugby and it's not too overdone. It was just a really lovely evening and, you know, Buck deserves the, the accolades. Now let's take a little look at, at a clip of the dinner. Shelford coming into his eye. What a great run by Wayne Shelford. Shelford going right to two Deans. And that's Shelford. And that's a try for the off left A remarkable game. So if you want to go to that, make sure you check out all the details at the website we have put up there, Jeff. I was at this. At the, what was it, was it like? It turned into a bit of a roast, which was quite good fun. It was <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden, you had someone you could pick on. It was it was really really clever. But before you go, you got us to pick our teams for the NPC. Oh, you can't just sit there and there. select your side. I mean, make it very very clear. You've got to justify it. Well, Canterbury, because they're Canterbury, and I think that's all I really need to say. Now, before we go tonight, because we are running out of time, um, I'd love to get your predictions uh, for Saturday night. Obviously, sell, sold out Eden Park just very fast. You've got, like, one one word. Yes, All Blacks, Wallabies, JK. All Blacks win by 12 and under. 12 and under? All Blacks, for me, plenty of spice. All Blacks. All blacks. all blacks. Just like that. Well, how about that? Well, thank you guys so much for all your thoughts and feelings tonight. Of that, there were a few. Thank you very much for joining us at home. We will see you next week on The Breakdown. Brilliant ball. Jamie McKenzie's in.